right, welcome into this new episode of the Dagger, the revamped version. I'm Justin Pierce here alongside Corey Kennedy. Uh, Corey, draft week was, you know, filled with surprises, a big success for most teams. Uh, I mean, how'd your draft weekend go? It went good, yeah. I mean, it was good to have, it's good to talk football as we did in our interview, as you guys will see a little bit later on. You stay tuned and everything like that, but it's good to have talk football. Things are revving up. Um, we also got NBA playoffs coming up, but it's nice to talk football. And um, I definitely want to give a huge shout out to all the all of our 10 guests that we've had so far. We got 10 people on the revamp. So thank you guys for, you know, get, checking us out on social media, checking us out here on the streaming platform. So a huge shout out to all that. So we're, we're having really fun here at the Dagger. Yeah, we have another one for this episode this week. We have Nick Cousin from uh kvrr the fox affiliate here in fargo north dakota and moorhead minnesota uh i got a chance to know him a little bit before the podcast Corey, uh obviously uh introducing himself and meeting him for the first time via zoom so that was uh that's a fun conversation we talked uh 49ers uh with trey lance along with uh the chicago bears and what they're doing since he's a big bears fan but uh, Corey, let's get started. Let's not spoil that interview too much. And uh, let's get in, let's get into some of the highlights from this NFL draft weekend. And mostly mostly quarterbacks were the big subject uh, from this past week. Uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence going number one, Zach Wilson going number two, uh, Trey Lance going number three. I mean, I, I was about to say Justin Fields, but you know, yeah. Trey Lance going number three, and then Justin Fields going to the Chicago Bears and a surprise trade up with the New York giants, your New York giants, that is for, yeah. for more draft picks and that next year's first rounder and a bunch of other picks to be named later on. But Mac Jones also going to the Patriots be, becoming their future franchise quarterback. Uh, he'll probably back up Cam Newton this upcoming season, but Corey, what was the biggest uh, surprise that you saw from this draft weekend, not only from the quarterbacks, but, uh, some of the other picks as well. Yeah, I would honestly say um, just just off the bat, just kind of the, the shock factor would actually be at the two and the three spot. I think kind of, I guess Zach Wilson was kind of like, you know, his name had been dropped in there a lot. Okay, number two to the Jets, number two to the Jets, and kind of within the last week of the draft. So I guess maybe that wasn't too much of a shock when his name was called. Um, but I just, I still think that, you know, Zach Wilson coming out of the BYU, I do think that might be a little bit of a gamble still. Um, and he, he did get a lot of hype around his pro days and his, um, you know, pro camps and stuff like that on campus. But I, I do, I still, I'm not totally sold on Zach Wilson yet. Um, but I think for sure the biggest surprise overall, because that one was kind of left a, you know, okay, the Niners are going to go, they can go anywhere here. They can go Justin Fields, they can go Mac Jones, they can sneak in and get Trey Lance too. So I think number three, North Dakota State, um, the Bison, you know, representing again back in the in the draft with Trey Lance. I think for me that was the kind of the um, oh wow that was you know this is awesome, and um, and then also going down a little bit too. I really thought that the Bengals should have gone at the five spot. They should have gone with Panay Sewell to get Joe Burrow protected. Um, I think that obviously Jamar Chase, you know, former LSU or you know LSU alum, you know, teamed up with uh, you know his teammate Joe Burrow. So I think that, you know, that's a great combo, but Joe Burrow got destroyed, you know, behind the line this last, this past season, you know, still recovering from knee surgery. So I think to get a guy like Panay Sewell from Oregon, 
offensive tackle. That would have been awesome. So those are kind of my surprises. Yeah. But how about you? What, what, what were you thinking with your surprises? Yeah. So um, I'm going to start with what you were just saying there about some of those early picks. I mean, uh, Trevor Lawrence, yeah. obviously number one to the Jags. Uh, number two, Zach Wilson. I, I love him. I love his game. And the only reason why I love his game is because he was very flashy at BYU. And I mean, he was playing some very weak teams, but uh, just some of the stuff that we saw of some of the quarterbacks in college don't always lead into the NFL. So mm -hmm. I love his ability to make the big play. And I loved the offense I, that he was in last season. And I, I hope he's in somewhat more of a competent offense this upcoming season with the Jets. Trey Lance is eventually going to start. It's probably going to be by midseason or next season as Jimmy Jimmy G will have a plan in place for, for this upcoming season and, you know, the future of the Niners. And then they'll eventually trade his contract and then they'll get picks and they'll eventually pay everybody else on that team. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a great move by the Niners to move up and get him. But Jamar Chase was the right move. Jamar Chase, for that reason, uh, was the right move for the for the Bengals. And, I mean, he's going to be a top wide receiver in two or three years. Like, he's going to be a top five wide receiver. He's a big playmaker. Joe Burrow needs that playmaker, especially with the chemistry that they need on that team. Like, I mean, who, who else do they have at wide receiver for the Bengals? I mean, no one really left that you can name off the top of your head besides uh, Tyler Boyd. Um, maybe John Ross. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's kind of, eh, but, uh, I just, I mean, yeah, I, I just love the Jamar Chase pick. And I mean, the Bengals O-line isn't as bad as everyone makes it seem like they, like he, yeah, he had a Joe Burrow had a bad injury last year, but that's no yeah. reason to pass up on a dynamic playmaker like Jamar Chase and a offensive lineman draft. That's very deep. Um, Jalen Waddle was a little bit of a shocker. I thought he would probably fall. Um, who else? Kyle Pitts. Uh, I, I forgot to go back to number four. Kyle Pitts to the Falcons was uh, not really a surprise. I thought they were going to take a quarterback still. But anyways, it's, I mean, you know, it was the right pick. One of the best tight end prospects we've seen in quite some time. Hmm. I, I got shocked when... Not when the Lions made uh, got Panay Sewell, but the picks after that with the Panthers and the Broncos when they decide to go defense and get Jace Horn uh, or JC Horn and uh, Patrick Sertain, I I, th I thought that was a very very unique move because the Broncos were are very impatient at quarterback and you know maybe John L.A. can help himself and maybe decide to draft a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, Drew Locke has, I mean, he's only played, he's only started um, less than, a, uh, less than two seasons. Like he's only started a little bit over a season of, of games. So, I mean, uh, it would be unfair to pull the plug on him now, but they have Teddy Bridgewater. So, I mean, they could have had a situation like the Chicago bears currently have where they have three quarterbacks who could all play this season and who knows. So, but the biggest surprise was the Chargers getting restaurants later, not having to trade up or move down and in the draft. Right. And I mean, like a top two lineman, uh, top two left tackle in the draft. I mean, he could play right tackle as well if uh, any of their linemen get hurt this season. But it, it was such a surprise to see the Chargers be very patient and still get their guy. I mean, uh, Tom Telesco did that this last year with Justin Herbert. They, he loved Justin Herbert. Uh, 
and that was his first choice and he got him at number six he didn't have to move up and uh trade yeah. with the dolphins or anything so i i love it so um yeah i mean obviously besides the trade of justin fields i thought uh the panthers and broncos getting defense first instead of linemen really really set the tone for the rest of the draft yeah and you bring up the receivers too um i think on, on one of my surprises too was seeing Devonte smith being the third receiver taken off the board too with I mean, um, you know, being the Heisman, you know, the defending Heisman champ, you know, national champion um, and, you know, just destroying every corner in the SEC and, you know, winning the championship, 200 yards receiving in the first half, you know, ended up hurting his hand. So he didn't play the second half. So who knows how many yards he would have got, how many touchdowns he could have scored. But yeah, so Devontae Smith kind of the Eagles coming in right over the Giants and and stealing, stealing Devontae Smith right from the Giants hand. So I thought. I was pretty heartbroken by that to see, and the Giants kind of had to reroute, but ended up actually getting a great player in um, in Tony Kadarius Tony out of Florida, who's a guy that I didn't really yeah. I didn't really watch too much this last year or, or even know too much about. But looking back at his tape and or looking back at his uh, highlights on YouTube and stuff like that, this guy can, this guy can really ball and be kind of a, a shifty, quick player. I mean, hard to, tough to, to compare him to Tyreek Hill. But I mean, it, it's you know that would kind of be the similar kind of style of play that yeah. you see out of out of Tony. And I was just double checking too. So with the Bengals, you brought up the Bengals. Um, so AJ Green now gone from the Bengals to the Cardinals, and John Ross is actually on the Giants now. Um, oh, that's so, right. Okay. Yeah. So all these little there's so much there was so much happening the last week or you know month honestly that yeah. you kind of you know it's hard to remember all these little things that are going on, but um. I, yeah, so, I have one more surprise too, actually. The yeah. Rashawn Bateman pick for the for the Baltimore Ravens. I, I'm shocked that, that he went that low oh, in the draft. I thought yeah. uh, maybe he would go to a team like the Cardinals, who, I mean, uh, I thought the Cardinals would trade back and get him. I thought maybe, um, I mean, the Giants would, I thought the Giants would take advantage of, of him, but um, they obviously liked uh, their pick as well. But I, I thought maybe some of these other teams in that didn't that that were you know late draft picks needed a guy like Rashawn Bateman. I mean, uh, it, it's a great fit for him. I think uh, he'll be the number one guy clearly there with Mark Andrews. But it's just it's just it's shocking that he went like late first round like that. I thought maybe middle of the first round was uh, where he was going to land up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so. Um, so that the, that I mean, the, you talk about the Ravens too. They really need a receiver too. Thought maybe they would go after somebody a little bit harder in free agency, but you know that didn't happen. So they got their guy in the draft at the twenty seventh pick there. Um, but yeah, so I mean, definitely some really talented offensive players to say the least. Um, and honestly, too, the Jets could be this. Although it is a little bit risky, you know, with Zach Wilson, I, I'm still not totally sold. Like I was saying, but I mean, if he pans out, uh, paired with the USC guard uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. These guys could be, this could be a good, you know, and this is just in the first round for the Jets too. So um, with, you know, number two, Zach Wilson, number 14 with Vera Tucker out at USC. So, you know, they had, they had a solid draft for the, for the Jets, with, you know, paired up with a new head coach coming up. So the Jets could really have a nice little bounce back year. Um, it really seemed like it was kind of pair up with your college teammate draft too. So you saw, I mean, yeah. just in the first round, you had Trevor Lawrence going to the Jags and Travis Etienne you know, both Clemson guys um, pairing up there. So that, that's going to be re- really fun to watch um, just out of the first round too. Um, and then, you you know, like you're talking about Jalen Waddle 
pairing up with Tua Tagovailoa over it down in Miami. So that's going to be a fun connection to see. Tua's got to have a nice little bounce back year. Um, after you know, not not really disappointing freshman year, but you know, it just I feel like pieces were missing. Um, but yeah, so a lot of a lot of fun stuff going on. Um, you know, Kyle Pitts. I'm really interested to see. Um, like I was saying back, you know, before before the draft, I I would have I really would have liked to see Justin Fields go there just be in and kind of learn under Matt Ryan. Um, and it's kind of, a, you know, passing, a, you know, passing of the, um, you know, go, working up the totem pole and, and, you know, he's from Georgia. He's a Georgia kid played at Georgia played at Ohio state. So I, I would have liked that, but it really seems like the, that Falcons think that they can win with that, with their set of guys. And I think they extended Calvin Ridley for a fifth year for another option. Um, so it'll be, it'll be a nice year, um, squad down there in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, so a lot of offensive talent they win in this first round, and um, yeah, and and like you said, props to the Chargers too, getting Rashawn Slater. Yeah, so it was, it was one heck of a draft. Yeah, and some pre-draft news that got everybody on the edge of their seats was uh, the Aaron Rodgers news of him reporting uh, reportedly wanted wanting out of Green Bay and yeah. wanting a trade and forcing a trade. Uh, so there's been some big developments since then. Uh, I mean, there is a rumor that he didn't he told uh, free agents not to sign with green Bay because he wasn't going to be there. Uh, there was a rumor about, I mean, he and the <laughs> and the general manager have such a terrible relationship now. I mean, uh, do you see that relationship getting repaired in green Bay? And if, if not, I mean, where does he end up if he does actually get traded? I mean, it's crazy. You talk about this too, because Aaron, I mean, Aaron Rodgers just went from hosting jeopardy, like the most mellow thing that you can do. So now he's trying to blow up NFL teams. Yeah. Blow up I, NFL draft boards. Like, I mean, I've, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, I've never but, seen Jeopardy get leveraged this much in, in such a, yeah. in a billion dollar company too. Like I've never seen Jeopardy yeah. like at this high at, on, like on the brink of something like this. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, it's like he, <laughs> he went on Jeopardy. Now he's putting his Packers future in Jeopardy. So it's like, he's, he's going double Jeopardy. <laughs> he's going double Jeopardy. Yeah, right a now. bell for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a it's kind of savage. Aaron Rodgers is kind of that like silent assassin guy that you like you don't expect to be, you know, savage, you know, or whatever, like you know, off the field. But I mean, I, I could see it happening. From you know, these are all rumors and all that stuff. But I mean, I would be pissed too if like they're so close to you know getting another Super Bowl championship, and they go ahead and draft Jordan Jordan Love, you know, kind of a not a no name guy, but like not a franchise you know solid franchise QB. And now he's like, okay, now you got to train this guy, you know, to, um, you know, take over your spot when, Hey, I could win. I could take this team to the promised land. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to go ahead and, and not even notify me that you're going to do that. So I think Aaron Rodgers honestly has every right to be pissed off. Um, but yeah, so I, I think as far as like where he'll be, you know, if we'll get traded or, you know, if, if we'll go not get traded, but like, you know, just request to leave the Packers, who knows what it's, the future is going to hold, but Aaron Rodgers seems pissed off. And, you know, the season's, season's not too far away. It's, you know, it's training camp's going to start revving up. And, you know, and we're, we're getting close to the summer's uh, doorstep here. So we're going to, a lot's a lot left to unfold with all these QBs. Yeah. I mean, Rogers was, I mean, I, uh, you could argue that, yeah, the Packers haven't ha drafted any uh, offensive player in the, in the last 10 years in the first round besides his replacement, eventually Jordan Love. And, yeah. I mean, they. I thought they were going to trade him. I thought Jordan Love was going to get flipped for somebody, and 
you know, Aaron Rodgers was going to keep his job, but it looks like Aaron Rodgers really wants out and uh, he's, he's really pissed off in green Bay. I, I think that he's going to end up uh, I think he's going to end up retiring. That's my prediction. Yeah. I, I, I don't year? think, I think he'll, I think he'll retire. I think he's that stubborn and, I, I really do think I, I think he wants to play, but I don't know if he's going to actually I don't know if he's actually going to return to the Packers. I think he's that stubborn. Like, dude, this guy doesn't talk to his parents like this guy <laughs> doesn't have a relationship with yeah. his family. Like he doesn't talk to his brother. Like if you saw the if you if you saw The Bachelor, oh, the bachelor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if you saw Jordan Rogers on The Bachelor, I, I you yeah. you would know how to like torn up that like his his family's relationship is and that's made public that's not me going in and searching for uh god knows what but uh (laughs) he i mean that that's it's a tough situation he really is he really will hold out he really will force a trade or retire he's never going to put on another he's never going to put on a green bay uniform ever again i really think yeah i mean honestly the icing on the cake too is is that, and I think that's probably boiling his, you know, boiling his butt, blood every day is that the uh, not electing to kick a field goal to against the, um, shoot, was it the Rams? No, 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 no. It wasn't against it the It was uh, the Bucks. Uh, oh, against the Bucks. Yeah, against Tom yeah. Brady and the Bucks. Yeah, my bad. Brain fart there. But um, yeah, so electing to kick a field goal there and not go for it, not put, you know, not put the ball, you know, in the hands of your franchise quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers, a guy that you should trust. And, you know, electing to kick a field goal, end up eventually losing that game to the Bucks, Tampa Bay Bucks. So that's kind of thing that kind of is boiling his blood. And then now you've got more trade drama or more trade drama and more draft drama. So I, this could be going down, you know, a slippery slope, you know, as much as it already has been. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, who would have ever thought like a, a market like Green Bay, Wisconsin was going to get this much drama out of some, <laughs> someone like, yeah. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is, I mean, there's news coming out every single day. So that's why yeah. we're uploading this podcast right away. Like we're, yeah. Yeah, unless something happens where he all of a sudden, like all of a sudden something happens, like we, we have to, we're going to do it, but it's it stuff is moving so fast so and so quickly and stuff is developing right off the bat like who knows what's going to happen next week when we record next because all of a sudden he could be retired that could be our whole show i don't know but rogers is a very 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 stubborn man and you do not want to push his buttons let's give an example of what the bucks did the bucks won by what they went by a possession in the, three? In the NFC championship game. Seven, right? It was seven. They won. It was, it was a very close game. They put it within, I mean, they kicked a field goal to eventually kick another field goal and win it, I guess. I don't know. But one twenty six. it looks like 31. Yeah. 31, 26. Five so, they, so they kicked a field goal to force the defense to, get a stop and then give Aaron Rodgers the ball and they give the ball to Tom Brady. So they've drafted yeah. nine straight times with their first pick in the NFL draft being defensive players or nine out of 10, excuse me. And they can't stop Tom Brady. So he, that's the, that's the first problem. You're drafting all defensive guys. You're not putting yeah. anything on your offense. You're giving your offense little to no room to mess up because you had to hit on Devontae Adams, who was a third rounder to um, really make that offense look that much better. 
Uh, Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay, where he also had that same situation with no receiving core. He begged for Antonio Brown. He got Randy Moss a free agency. Rob, uh, Rob Gronkowski was a was a big hit for them. So that's one of their best one of their best weapons. Then undrafted guys like Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, uh, Wes Welker. Not going to say if they're undrafted or not, but they're definitely late selections. And you know they were great slot receivers. They were great. They were great at getting third downs and playing their role. But Brady goes to Tampa Bay, gets Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller, Rob Scotty, Scotty freaking Miller. Uh, Rob, Rob Gronkowski, and who do you have? OJ he, Howard Brate, this year? Brate, Cameron, Cameron uh, Brate? Brate, and yeah, I mean, yeah, and then, I mean, in the backfield too, yeah, the Ronald Jones. Le- yeah, Leonard had um, Leonard Fournette, Leonard Sean McCoy. Fournette. Yeah, Shady McCoy, Dra- yeah, I mean, they were so Traded up stacked. to draft uh, Tristan Wirfs. I mean, you had all this talent on your offense that made you win three straight row games and then your home Super Bowl. So that that alone carried them. And that, I mean, they eventually got over their defensive struggles because their defense was hot in the playoffs. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Like uh red hot, yeah. Drew Brees couldn't touch them. Um the who the Redskins quarterback who was starting that game. Um God. It was I, uh, I, I, I don't know. These football things, but the football postseason feels like eight years ago, but it was, you know, yeah. only a couple of months ago. But um, yeah. Yeah, the uh, but I mean, we bring up retiring too. I I don't know if Aaron Rodgers can retire like that, being such a um, just such a. It was Taylor Heineke. Excuse me, Taylor Heineke. Heineke. Taylor Heineke. Heineke. Taylor Heineke couldn't do couldn't do anything. I I mean, he ran for a touchdown. It was a highlight reel, but he didn't he didn't do much other than that. And then Aaron Aaron freaking Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had. And Tom Brady had three interceptions in that game and gave the ball back to Aaron Rodgers and uh, could rarely convert in the fourth quarter. So um, their defense came up big when uh, when it mattered most. And Patrick Mahomes literally couldn't couldn't throw the football or scramble away from other defenders to save yeah. his life. So that that being said, the it doesn't matter how much you draft on defense if your offense has little to no guys that you're getting in the first round you're going to get guys from i mean they just lost their free agent center let's let's also let's also uh um their pro bowl center let's let's also not forget that like they lost a lot of pieces and for aaron Rodgers to be this consistent every single year with mediocre talent around him i mean really how how good would the packers be next year without aaron Rodgers? if we're going to be completely honest yeah, I mean, yeah, that's why they got the MVP this year, and and they, I mean, I, they can't even. Yeah, it depends on what quarterback comes in there, but I don't think that many can do what he what he was able to do. I mean, granted, they do have ballers, they you know, with Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and stuff like that, but I mean, I, you definitely need more pieces than than just those uh, an elite receiver, elite running back. But um, and so yeah, Aaron Rodgers is just a magician, and and uh, yeah, to your point, it's it's tough to to look at what he's done the last couple of years, especially last year, MVP type, you know, MVP year. And it's just, it's tough to, you know, if you're, if you're any, if you're a GM that has any, you know, real sense, I mean, it's like, how do you not, how do you not get this guy more help? But yeah, I don't know. It's if, yeah. 
But here's how here's how Packers management can save themselves. And I'm going to be completely objective here. If Aaron Rodgers gets traded and they get multiple first round picks and they keep Jordan Love and he starts and he's actually good enough to start, they're going to have they're going to be loaded for the next however many years. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's still in a rookie deal. Yeah. Um, You're going to give you're going to give Jordan Love a lot of picks and a lot of future and you can frankly pay anybody. I mean, you're not going to get a lot of free agents to go to Green Bay, but you're going to, that's, that's more room to pay other guys. And that's the thing. Are you going to take that risk and get all these picks or, I mean, we don't know if Jordan Love can play. We have no idea if he could play in the, uh, play in the NFL. Like he had a, an okay. I thought he was an okay quarterback at Nevada. I didn't think he was that great, but you know, how many times have all of us missed on college quarterbacks? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you can play trade Aaron Rodgers today and trade him to Denver, get all, get all their picks and then start over, not start over, but continue to really make yourself a contender. I mean, that's, it's what you had to do with Mahomes. They traded up to get Mahomes. uh, The chiefs did Uh, green Bay traded up to get Jordan love and, I mean, they pissed off Aaron Rodgers. And the fact that he's not moved yet, I mean, it's going to make it worse and worse by the day. So they need to do something and do it very soon. Yeah. I mean, to me, just, you know, observing this from the the outside, you know, trying to look in and, and see, you know, get inside of the mind of Aaron Rodgers. It seems like, okay, they, you know, the Packers organizations, they say, okay, this guy is 36, 37. You, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll kind of, you know, ride out his career here. We'll train up a guy in Jordan Love. We'll take a gamble on Jordan Love. And this just seems like a complete smack in the face to Aaron Rodgers saying, okay, you know, your season's wrapping up or your career's wrapping up. We'll give it a couple more years, train up our guy. And then, you know, we'll, we'll let you right off in the distance, retire as a Packer, but boom, it Aaron Rodgers ignited and went off for MVP season. So I don't think it, it shows me that they didn't believe he could do that, which I think that's the biggest thing that's kind of lighting the fire under Aaron Rodgers. Like, you don't think I can do this? Boom. I just did it for you. Go get me a player. Let's go win a Super Bowl." Yeah, but exactly. Like like Should be that easy. Are, yeah, it's room, latest rumors are saying Broncos could be a potential, you know, he'll pull up Peyton Manning, go to the Broncos, and play for a couple of years down there. But I don't know. Uh, I, I think that would be a nice little matchup. But I obviously think that I wish it would have worked out better with the Packers. It, they're such a good team. They've been so good the last couple of years, last 10 years probably. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you got you to gotta help out Aaron Rodgers. You, I mean, he's, he's a once in a – generational QB. So you got to, you know, you got to get them to help Packers. If you're listening to this podcast, please get some, please do whatever you can to, to keep Aaron Rodgers happy. Because I mean, how do you not keep Aaron Rodgers happy? You should, <laughs> should have a uh, statue outside of Lambeau by the end of his career, but he may not even want yeah. that at this rate with the relationship going on with him and that franchise. But yeah, uh, yeah we're going to move on to our interview with uh, Nick cousin from uh, KVRR, Corey, can you give the people an insight on what they're expecting for this upcoming interview? You know, this is fun because, you know, you, you kind of get the different varieties of, of, of SoCal, SoCal sports, Padres, Angels, Dodgers, you know, we talk about our Chargers and Giants and all, and all that stuff. And so this is a fun little thing to get a different kind of venture into the East Coast, talk about North Dakota State University, talk about the Chicago Bears, uh, and, and kind of just how all the, the news of the draft and 
how important it is for Trent Lance to, to be that third overall pick. I mean, that's a big deal. Third overall pick in the NFL, multi-million, you know, multi-millions of dollars there for, you know, and representing that school, representing the Bison. So, yeah, it's fun to talk to Nick. Great to meet him. So huge thank you for him to coming on the podcast, to get, you know, talk some, talk some, some Chicago sports. Then Mitch Trubisky, if you're wondering about, you know, what Bears fans were feeling during that era, and now Trubisky obviously going down to the Buffalo Bills now. So it, it was fun to talk about that. And, and I really enjoyed our, uh, you know, quick little convo with him. Yeah, I, I connected with uh, Nick while I was up here and, uh, um, yeah, met him a couple of times. I mean, he, I mean, he's, yeah, he's awesome. I mean, uh, you guys are going to have a, you guys are gonna have a good taste of, uh, um, what that, con- what our conversation is like and, you know, his passion for Chicago sports as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good conversation. It's always nice to get someone from, um, from, from somewhere where we, where we connect, whether it's, uh, at internships, jobs, et cetera, but, uh, here's Nick and uh, sit back and enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the pod here with us is uh, the one and very own uh, Nick Cousin, KVRR lead sports anchor. He's been there for two plus years covering North Dakota State Athletics, and he's also a very passionate Bears fan. So, uh, Nick, welcome. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's sadly a passionate Bears fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, it's great to have you on. It's great to meet you just a couple minutes ago, but I'm excited to talk a little bit about the Bears and North Dakota State because uh, university, because that usually stuff we don't talk about too much in the podcast. So, it's going to be a fun stuff and you know especially with the draft that just happened last weekend so thanks yeah, a ton out of Trey Lance. Awesome. yeah huge yeah huge yeah. shout out yeah Nick so I mean just just starting at K, uh, KVRR as like one of your first sports jobs out of college I mean uh, just what is it like being uh, just the lead sports anchor now and uh, what's it been like covering uh, North Dakota State over the past couple of seasons oh uh, well it started out pretty tough because when I first came here uh, I was the weekend sports anchor. Uh, so there's not as much responsibility, obviously, as somebody who's, you know, the lead sports anchor or sports director is in charge of the whole uh, sports team. Um, but my a previous sports director left after seven months. Uh, so I was kind of thrown into the fire after that. Uh, now, like you said, I've been doing it almost two years. Now in July will be the two year mark. Uh, and I just kind of, I don't know, I, I kind of just threw myself into the fire mostly. Uh, I just, Kind of, you know, if I was at a sporting event, I'd introduce myself to people and just try to get as many contacts or, or whatever, just to get comfortable and kind of build up, build up sources, build up like, you know, information that I could use later on. Um, and then I, that's just kind of how I became more comfortable with it. And then just kind of like reading everything. Like, uh, that's what I did in college. Like I had like press releases always sent to me. I always sent, I always read those and you know, follow all the athletes on Instagram and Twitter and see what they're posting, those types of things. Just getting used to like how all the athletes and how, you know, all the programs are doing and everything just to kind of like build up a knowledge base and then kind of just go from there as far as like getting comfortable with, with covering stuff. I mean, I was already confident in, I mean, covering a lot of, a lot of different sports because I did that in college. Um, so that wasn't really a problem. Uh, but as far as just like getting used to like covering one school that I've never covered before, uh, those types of things, that was a little bit of a harder transition. But because I had been doing like highlights of the games and being at the games on the weekends, that was a little bit easier 
uh, in the, into the transition into the position I'm at now. Man, yeah, a lot of times in sports, they talk about the next man up, but it, and it seems like in the journalism world too, that happens a lot where, boom, you know, seven months in, now you're the, you know, the main sports anchor. So do you, do you like that about the business or is that, you know, it kind of seems like it's a fun way to learn a lot quickly. Oh uh, yeah, that's, that's a cliche answer from like coaches and players you never, you never like. Uh, yeah, yeah. Doing them, but yes, it's, it's a true process. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do like that process. I mean, if I had been thrown right into the position I'm in now, I don't know how, you know, how, how I would have done. Um, the fact that I just kind of went, came, came into the position, so knowing some people and being familiar with the area and still knowing what was going on. And then when we brought in another, another person to the sports staff, it was a lot easier for me to help them along because I actually knew stuff versus, you know, coming in and not knowing anything. Uh, so that was a lot easier uh, with that transition and having to already, you know, step up into that role. And I mean, it's always challenging to do that because you have more responsibility and I didn't have too much like, anchoring experience at all. And I'm doing it twice a week now, five days a week. So it's, yeah. you know, it's, it was, it was a lot harder to do, but I mean, I've, I've gotten a lot, I've really gotten used to it now. So no, no complaints there. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Nick, you, you mentioned how you mentioned, um, you mentioned how you made a bunch of connections within the area and, uh, with some of the athletes as well. And one of those athletes was Trey Lance. So, uh, let's get, let's get into that. I mean, what kind of player and person are the 49ers getting, um, with their future franchise quarterback? I think you can see with the number three pick, like they just like fell in love with him. I mean, they can't, they couldn't come to his first pro day because I think they were at Justin Fields pro day or something like that. But yeah, he had the two, he had the two pro days, the first pro day, there was like 30 teams. One of them was not the 49ers, but the second pro day they came and he, they're, they're one of four teams there. And uh, the story that I heard that is probably the reason why, and John Lynch mentioned this, the 49ers GM in his press conference that they, that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, the head coach, they went up to Trey's parents and they were like, yeah, we like, we love your son. He's great. All this stuff. And they just kind of like fell in love with the person that Trey is. I mean, he was a he was a redshirt freshman behind Easton Stick, who I mean Justin knows well being a Chargers fan who that yeah. is. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and, and so he backed he was a redshirt freshman backed him up and pretty much all he did besides play two games because of the redshirt rule, you know he can still redshirt after playing four games, but pretty much all he did other than playing those two games that he that he was in was just watch film, watch break down film, and I think that helped him a lot in the success he had in the one full year as a starter where he had no interceptions uh, and he was just dominant and won the FCS offense player of the year. And I think that's kind of where, you know, the inexperience, I think that's not as big of an issue as, you know, only playing one game that he did in 2020. But I think the fact that he was able to be a good backup to Houston stick and really learn film and do all that, I think it's a good situation for him to go to the 49ers because of that, because of that fact, like he doesn't have to come in and be the starter right away. I know, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt a lot and he might have to start earlier than normal, but at least he doesn't have to go in there and be the guy. Yeah. I mean, the, the Niners made a huge move here to a couple of weeks ago to get up to that third spot, giving away some draft, draft future draft picks too. Um, and so there was a lot going on and it almost seemed like they, they were willing to take any QB at that spot until very, the last moment they, they went ahead and took Trey, Trey Lance. Do you think this might've been a little bit too risky for the Niners or were they kind of bluffing, saying, oh, you know, we could take Justin Fields, Mac Jones, you know, whoever's available, or, or, do, you, or do you think they knew for sure they're going to go with Trey Lance on this one? Oh, it seemed like they knew uh, Shanahan and, and uh, 
and uh, Lynch, they, they knew, but they kept it a surprise. They kept it under wraps. Yeah. And no, nobody really knew. Like as soon as they called Trey Lance, like Trey didn't know, like he, yeah. that's why there was the emotion of him, you know, crying. And I mean, his parents didn't even know, like talking to his parents, like they were like, yeah, it's a total surprise, but that's like the good thing about it. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. like if you're Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson, you kind of know where you're going like way ahead of time, like a month ahead or whatever it is. But like yeah. to have that surprise is kind of nice, but I don't, I don't really think, I don't really think it's a risk just because, you know, he doesn't have to, I mean, he being the third pick, I mean, usually that's like a franchise QB um, when you're drafting yeah. somebody that high, but with the fact that you already have, it's like a Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith situation. When Patrick Mahomes came in. I mean, he was a top 10 yeah. pick, but he didn't even yeah. have to play the whole first year because he's learning behind Alex Smith. So I think that's kind of the same situation here. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, Nick, just at their first workout, I mean, many of the people up in Fargo know that it was mostly the Atlanta Falcons and Carolina Panthers showing uh, m- like very mutual interest in Trey Lance. I mean, uh, I mean, the Falcons were the fourth pick and the Niners were the third pick. So obviously uh, that wouldn't have worked out. But why do you think uh, the Panthers decided to move on quickly from uh, exploring the option of Trey Lance and deciding to go with Sam Darnold instead? Uh, I think. Well, yeah, I think that that trade uh, definitely um, they wanted to have more, I guess, veteran quarterback, or I think maybe they thought Matt Rule would do a better job with Sam Darnold. I mean, we don't really know how good Sam Darnold is because the Jets are just <laughs> the <best>. uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, So, yeah, we don't really know. I mean, uh, I think that the fact that they just got Sam Darnold and I think that, you know, maybe they had more of a sample size of what Sam Darnold could do because he's already been in the league for two years and he's still somewhat young. I mean, He's only like 22 or 23, I think. So he's still like really young. Like he could probably have come out this year and been a, been a top draft pick as far as QBs go. Um, and then with the Falcons, I just think that that Kyle Pitts out of, besides the quarterbacks, Kyle Pitts was getting like the most hype out of like any player in the top 10. And I think that they just didn't want to pass up on him. And they still have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, all that. So I think maybe they're just trying to have another year because they have a new head coach. But maybe they think they can still ride with that crew. Uh, for another year with a new head coach, maybe stuff will change on offense. Um, but I mean, and they do have, they did get Felipe Franks as a backup. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's their QB right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you mentioned uh, Pat, the kind of Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith uh, situation where he came in, was on the bench for a year. And then kind of, now he, Patty Mahomes is what he is now today. Um, do you see the, the Trey Lance situation? Do you kind of, do you compare it to what, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, you know, Aaron Rodgers got ignited and, and had an MVP season last year. Do you see, do you have a, I guess my question is more about Jimmy G. Do you see Garoppolo, his future with the Niners kind of fizzling, fading away? And, and or do you see that he could maybe have a chance to have a go on a run with this team? Because they're still in the Niners, even though they have the third pick and everything like that. They're still, they're still a solid team. They got wiped out by injuries last year. Uh, but for Jimmy G's future, what do you, what do you think in there? Yeah, I mean, that's been the one thing. I mean, you look at the one healthy year Jimmy G had with the Niners, they're in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how good this team can be if they're healthy. But uh, like you talk about with injuries, I think that's the major problem, I, I think. And I, I mean, that's really for any team in the NFL, really, is like if you can stay healthy, you're going to be successful. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think that it's kind of that's that is it is that same situation. I think that if Jimmy G, you know, if he struggles a little bit or he gets injured again, maybe, and then Trey Lance comes in and has a great season, replacing him I yeah, think that yeah. maybe he is gone or the or the fact that Jimmy G maybe maybe he knows going in I mean we don't know what Kyle Shannon's conversations are with him but maybe they are saying like hey like you know this is your last year so help Trey out and then you know we'll 
we'll put you we'll put you in a good position at an, on another team after this season. But I think it kind of just depends on what what happens as as as, as the season goes on. Mm-hmm. With with definitely with injuries, I think that that could be the end. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Nick, you mentioned a Patty Mahomes situation with uh, Jimmy G and um, and Trey Lance, but I mean, let's go, let's move on to your beloved Chicago Bears and uh, talk about the quarterback situation there because they, they have a lot going there. I mean, um, Arizona's very own Nick Foles is there, getting getting paid a lot more money than uh, what he should what he Bear should down. be a bear yeah. down. Uh, <laughs> Andy Dalton just signed a one-year $10 million deal, and then they trade up to draft Justin Fields. I mean, it's a QB carousel in Chicago. I mean, what do you make of that as a Chicago Bears fan, and what do you think uh, should be the right solution for this team for this upcoming season? Yeah, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, the GM and head coach, they had to do that. They had to draft a quarterback because Chicago Bears fans were ruthless, and we haven't had a a top QB since Jay McMahon, and I wasn't even alive to see that. So. and that was like, and when we got to the Super Bowl in 2006, that was based off the defense. I mean, you had Hall of Famer Brian Urlacher and future Hall of Famers uh, Lance Briggs, also from Arizona. So, oh, yeah. There you uh, go. Yes, sir. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, now uh, now Bears analyst. Um, but he, uh, but I think, you know, that the defense just got them there. And I think since like nine, since McMahon left, there's been 31 or 32 different starting QBs for the bears, which is absolutely uh, insane. Uh, and then you just saw last year, like the bears offense, like was like the most boring offense to watch. They couldn't get anything going. Uh, and you thought Nick, like, I, I honestly thought when, when we got Nick Foles, that that was kind of, that was going to be like, fine. Like that was going to, cause I yeah. saw what he did with the Eagles, like coming in yeah. for Carson Wentz and kind of, you know, leading the Eagles to super bowl to some deep, some deep playoff runs. I thought, I thought that would be good. Uh, especially because, you know, Mitch, Mitch didn't get the deal done. We don't have to go relive that situation because when the Bears straight up to get Trubisky, that was not a fun night for me. Um, I was, uh, <laughs> I, almost, I almost, I almost punched a hole in the wall when I, when I, when I heard that. Uh, and, Goodness and, gracious. <laughs> and again, John Lynch, you know, doing his thing, you know, you know, screwing us over and making us trade up one, one spot to draft somebody that could have been there, like probably at the end of the first round. Um but that's but yeah. But besides that, I, yeah, the Bears had to do it. Like Nagy and Pace probably shouldn't have got this other year to like make up for their wrongdoings and faults. But here they are. They had to do it. They took a risk, and now, now it's like okay, like they know that their job's on the line. So this has to work out now. Yeah, I mean, and you guys got a baller too. You kind of fell into Justin Fields, and he really kind of slid down. I feel like it, it seemed like there was a moment where maybe he people were saying he's better than Trevor Lawrence, but then all of a sudden he kind of slid way down. Um, why do you think the reasons for that, for him kind of dropping a little bit in the draft? Um, and then in how excited are you just to see him in a Bears uniform? Oh, I'm definitely excited. I mean, this is another, you know, this is just like the reset button, like restart, like yeah. new, new franchise QB. So it's exciting. That's always exciting. And, um, but I think the reason, I mean, uh, going in, like before, like all the hype around Zach Wilson, like, Justin Fields was like the second best quarterback. So yeah. and this draft class, so to, to get him at 11, like that's a big steal. And yeah, I, mean, I didn't expect it to happen, but when it did, I was like, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take a quarterback. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, it's nice to have, to have him. But I think, I think people like, like whoever was analyst or whatever or scouts, I think there was like so much of Justin Fields that we saw, like, as far as like, you know, getting to the national championship game, getting the semifinals, like, Missed two two years as a starter, and then the whole epilepsy thing came out. Like 
couple of weeks before the draft. I think there was just like, people were just like looking for something wrong with him. And I think that's why he slipped. Like I'd always, you see that with at least like one player in every draft, like people try to find something wrong with him because he's just like that good. And I think that was, yeah. like, I think that was the same situation with Justin Fields. I could definitely see that too. Yeah. He was just so good that, you know, in the national spotlight so much, but yeah, it's very, it's very interesting how that happens every year. Yeah, Nick. And there's been so much quarterback drama within the NFC North. I mean, Matthew Stafford leaving was something that we didn't expect and Jared Goff coming in as the starter next year. And then uh, the bears QB uh, QB carousel, we can get into later, but, and then the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Yeah. That's, that's another story for another day, but one, one story that's, that's really that's under the ring. That's still ongoing. Yeah, no, that's yes. yeah, uh, definitely. But one, one story that's really under the radar is uh, a leak from the Vikings saying that they would take Justin Fields at number 14. And I mean, what do you think of that? I mean, Kirk Cousins is currently their guy. He's getting paid near $40 million a year. I mean, uh, just how chaotic is this QB uh, drama in the NFC North right now? Having to uh, cover the Vikings the last couple of years, I think that the fans are just fed up with Cousins because he doesn't perform well when it's when it's those important games. I mean, if you put him on a Sunday noon game, he's probably going to ball out. But put him on like a Sunday night or Monday night game or a playoff game, and he, he hasn't done well. And the fact that, you know, he led he led the league in interceptions last year, like the first half of the season, I think that was that was cautious too. Um, and the fact that the Vikings even drafted Kellen Mond, uh, you know, in the third round because they couldn't get fields. Um, but I think maybe that, you know, the O-line was a big issue for them last year and they went linemen uh, in, the, in the first round because they, they couldn't draft up to get fields. That's why they drafted or they traded back from 14 because I think that maybe they thought that if someone wasn't going to trade up to get fields so that they could get fields at 14. But since that didn't happen, they traded back. And they just went offensive line heavy and they got more, they got a wide receiver and a running back, more weapons for cousins to use. So I think, you know, maybe this is like they bring in actually an actually good quarterback from college versus like a Nate Stanley or like a Sean Manning, who's been like the backup the last couple of years and hasn't really given any competition to cousins whatsoever. And I think you just bring like a good established college QB that could, uh, you know, really push cousins. I think that might be good for him. Like, Maybe he just comes to the realization, like, hey, I actually do have to, like, step up my game a little bit here. And, and while we're on the subjects of quarterbacks, um, I want kind of want to take it back to, as much as it might hurt, the Mitch, Mitch Trubisky. Um, I, and kind of see, he has a very interesting kind of a, um, a career so far. I mean, he did have, if I believe, if, I'm, if I remember right, he had a Pro Bowl selection and a couple mm -hmm. of back-to-back 3,000 yards. The um, only year that uh, he went to the playoffs. Yeah, so, yeah. This year, besides this the, year. The, yeah, the extended playoff. Yeah, um, this year. That was his best career year. So. Yeah, so I mean, there are some, there are a little bit of hope there. I think in that sense, um, you know, obviously now going to the Bills and you know, kind of ending that that Mitch Trubisky uh, experiment. But do you think that he has any future success ahead of him in the NFL, or, or do you, you know what? How, what's your full take on you know, kind of the Trubisky era in Chicago? Uh, well, it, it, it was some dark times. Uh. It, it definitely, there, there was the one good year that you, you talked about. Yeah. I, think, I, don't really, I don't really count this year as like a playoff appearance because the Cardinals gave us that opportunity uh, to get into the playoffs. So I don't really, I don't really count that as like getting in. Uh, and we, we were going to lose to the Saints anyway. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I think, you know, no one really knew about Trubisky. Like, and we're like, why are we drafting this guy that started 12 games? I mean, that was like the least amount of starts of any 
college quarterback drafted ever. So it's like, yeah. wow. And he didn't even go to a, a, a bowl game. Like he didn't even have like any college postseason experience whatsoever. So it's like, why would you put all your eggs in a basket for this one, this one dude? And the first year he was there, it was John Fox. And then you bring in Matt Nagy, who was the offensive coordinator for, you know, the, the great chiefs offense that was the chiefs offense and the quarterbacks coach. And he's had great success. And you think that you can do that same thing with Trubisky and he, and then it ends up that Trubisky can't run what Nagy wants to run. I think, you know, people wanted to blame Nagy because he couldn't develop Trubisky, but what he, what, what Nagy was trying to get Trubisky to do, he just couldn't do like, hmm. and he had to like switch up his play calling like this year, like, you know, Trubisky's only, he's successful when he can get out of the pocket, get down the run. And there wasn't a lot that, uh, well, there wasn't a lot of that this year. A lot of uh, this year was like, okay, Nick Foles is coming in the game. He can't run at all. So let's, you know, switch it up and do some more, you know, uh, long, longer passes, play action passes, that kind of thing. So I think, you know, it was just kind of like, there was just too much going on this year as far as like swapping in out of quarterbacks for the offense to really be successful and for Nagy to focus on like exactly what the offense needs to be. And I think that's why the play calling ended up getting out of his hands for the last five weeks because there's just so much going on but when Nagy could focus on trying to develop Trubisky there was so many things that Trubisky just couldn't do that didn't like live up to what Ryan Pace drafted him to do that I think it was just kind of like okay we have to move on like this has to be what what happens yeah do you think think, it- I think, and I think to go off what I think he'll be I think he'll be a good backup like if he needs to come in for like three four games if somebody gets hurt he can carry you for that long but he, he can't, I don't think he's going to be a starter in, in the league in the future. Yeah, that was my next question about the Josh Allen. You know, it, does he want to just be kind of the backup role and, and kind of learn from Josh Allen, be there for the guy that, you know, if he gets hurt and stuff like that? So, because I thought it might be, it was a little curious that he went to to go to Josh, be backup Josh Allen, and, you know, he'll be in the league for 10 plus, you know, years. So, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Thanks for answering that. Yeah. No yeah. Hey, Nick, how about this? So, Aaron, Ro- I wasn't going to bring up Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers, reportedly uh, according to sources reportedly mocked uh the Packers GM and called him the present day Jerry Krause so Jerry Krause was the old uh for those who don't know the old Bulls GM for uh those dominant championship teams in the in the 1990s so uh Nick first reaction when hearing that and anything else you have to say about the Aaron Rodgers situation uh I'll, I'll take a saying out of your book it was comedy yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We all saw how Jerry, I mean, I, I, I was only like, you know, two or three when the, when the Bulls won their last title there with Jordan. So I didn't really live that experience, but watching the, the Jordan doc uh, last summer, you kind of really saw how he was. I mean, yeah, he did bring a lot of the teams together, but he also, but he also, um, you know, broke it up. So I think it's kind of, and with the Raj situation, I mean, the, the Packers could have easily given Rodgers more weapons. I mean, you look, yeah, they can get to the NFC championship with Rodgers, but if you just have like one more piece for him on the offense, maybe they're getting to the Super Bowl, you know, and, you know, maybe, you know, I mean, yeah, he has Devontae Adams and Jamal Williams and all those great pieces. But if you just have one more, maybe he's getting to the Super Bowl and we're not talking about the situation, but the fact that when it comes to the draft, you know, they draft Jordan Love and they're like, what are you doing? Moving off Rodgers already. Like he's just won MVP this year. Uh, and then, you know, you draft their first round pick was a defensive player, like not even an offense. So it's like, what are you doing there? So I think like Rodgers has every right to be mad if he is. I mean, because they're not giving 
him what he's what he's asked for. And if he's winning, if he won you a Super Bowl and he's won two MVPs wearing the uniform for you, like you need to give this guy what he wants. I mean, you look at some of the other quarterbacks in the league that have like control over what's going on and they're getting exactly what they want. Like look at you look at like Tom Brady going to the Buccaneers and bringing and he's like, hey, I want the, I want Antonio Brown to come. Hey, I want so and so to come. Hey, I want Rob Gronkowski to come. You know, and they're bringing they're giving him those pieces. And I think Aaron Rodgers was looking over at Tom Brady and like, hey, like look, he's getting all these pieces and winning a Super Bowl, and I don't get that. And we're one win away from getting there. So maybe you know, I think he has every right to be to be that. Yeah, I can kind of de- definitely sense some jealousy in the air from Aaron Rodgers. Kind of looking over at Tom and saying, hey, I, you know, I, I just want the same treatment. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers, it's interesting, you know, going to the drama back to his draft day with the Niners and the Packers. And then now it's what we have today. Um, and so there's a lot going on with it's probably the most QB craziness I've seen in the last probably like 10 plus years. You have something to talk about for sure. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Nick. So I, I wanted to ask uh, a little bit. I mean, you're you're a KU alum, so I wanted to ask a little bit about Kansas football and their new uh, head coach hire. So Lance Leopold. Um, I mean, just what do you think about the hire? What do you think about the whole Les Miles departure too? Um, and just ha- kind of how that all unfolded. Uh, well, Les Miles. I mean, obviously with what came up, he had to go. And the same thing with the athletic director. Now that was a short reign, only two years for both of them. Uh, and I obviously graduated after they both became, well, both went to the position. So I didn't really get to get to see like firsthand what those regimes were like, but talking to some of my friends who were still there, they kind of, they said it was kind of, it was really bad. Um, like they, they said that, you know, less, excuse me, less miles was a little out of touch. Like, you know, he's been out of coaching for a couple of years and, uh, he, and there was like things in like the press conference, he would forget. Like there, if there was like, if they were holding a press conference for like signing day or something, like within like 10, 15 minutes, he'd forget something that he wanted to talk about uh, in the press conference, things like that. And like at late night in the, late night in the fog, which is like the big, like, you know, like pep rally to start off the basketball season. Like he went in there and he like introduced himself to the crowd. Everybody got hyped because it's less miles, but then like, he didn't know where to go sit down. And now I feel like where he was supposed to go sit. So like, like little things like that. I think, you know, it kind of like played a big factor that nobody really knew about uh, was the fact that, you know, he, he might have, you know, KU might have been a little over the head. Jeff Long, the previous athletic director, might have reached as far as he, he was going more for the name, the name than like what Les Miles actually was at the time. So I, that might have been a reach. But I do think like it's good that they got a new athletic director in there who is a, is a KU journalism grad. So that's already a plus. Uh, and, 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 a new, and a new coach, uh, who, you know, he, he established and made Buffalo like a powerhouse team in the Mac. And when he was in division three, he was a really good, he had a good winning, uh, winning uh, program in D3 as well. So I think that's like, that's like the perfect coach is someone that can, you know, has established a smaller team. I mean, I, I know Kansas is in the, is in the power five in the big 12, but they're definitely the small, the small fish in a big pond when it comes to when it comes to the big 12. So you need somebody that can build up the program and bring in the right players and put in the right culture uh, to make them relevant again, which they haven't been relevant since 2008. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of my last question for you too, is, you know, we've been talking about quarterbacks all the way through um, one, one quarterback and NDSU uh, alum Carson Wentz and that now with the Colts. Um, how do you, how, how do you see, how do you kind of evaluate Carson Wentz 
where, you know, going for the Eagles now and the Colts, what are you excited for in that? And then, and how can you, are there any comparables with Trey Lance and, you know, coming out of the same school? Um, yeah. As far as that. Uh, I think, I think it's like the perfect, perfect situation for Wentz. I, I mm-hmm. think just last year, just seeing how that season played out, I don't think you can put all the blame on Wentz for playing bad. Yeah. I mean, he, he had so many off, there were so many offensive line injuries. I mean, they had a rugby player like starting at left guard or whatever, right tackle or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, and the fact that, that Doug Peterson, like, I think he just kind of like gave up. I mean, you look at that last game of the year where he, he benches Jalen Hurts for, for Nate Sudfeld. It's like, okay, like, what was the point of that? Um, so I think I, and I think, you know, and the ownership, I think wants to take over more that wants to have more of a say because they get rid of Doug Peterson and then they hire this, you know, the chargers offensive coordinator who, you know, he had, he's a young guy, but he can, he'll listen to what exactly what the ownership says. And Doug Peterson on his way out, he said like, Hey, like, I don't want ownership to tell me what to do. I wanted to make my own decisions. So I think that kind of like played a, a big factor in the reason why this organization became what it was and it wasn't a good situation for Wentz. And I can just tell based off of his introductory press conference with the Colts and talking to Pat McAfee, just like how much of like, like how happy he is now. I mean, he's going to like a great situation for him. Like he gets to be the starter. He gets to be uh, reunited with his old offensive coordinator with the Eagles for where he had his MVP season in 2016 before getting hurt. And then was, took them to almost the Super Bowl and then got injured again. But those were his two best years with the Eagles when Frank Reich was there. He gets to go back to that situation and be with his old, old offensive coordinator when he had the best years of his career. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Nick, that's all That's that's all we have for time today. But thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you guys want to follow Nick on Twitter, it is uh, at N-C-O-U-Z. That is at N-C-O-U-Z. Uh, he's, he posts all of his sports segments on there for everyone who's out of the market, uh, who's curious about uh, some of his sports segments and stuff like that. But Nick, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, joining, uh, joining us today and really talking all sorts of football topics that we could go over. Yeah, no problem. And we both share the same chance. So I'll say bear down. Yeah, of course. Bear, bear down. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Take care. All right, we are back and uh, back on our normal segment schedule here to bring you the dagger or no dagger, dagger five, and then our dagger of the week. Corey, let's get started. Here we uh, go. I'm all ready. <laughs> let's Come do this. Listen. Yeah. All right. Dagger or no dagger. Uh, the dot. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go baseball on this one. So uh, a little bit of a detour from the route that we've been taking with NFL throughout the whole show. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bring up the Dodgers. So the Dodgers are sitting uh, as of Wednesday uh, after, after all of Wednesday's games, uh, Wednesday, uh, May 5th. So single de Mayo. So uh, after, after Wednesday's games, they're sitting in third place in the NL West. Uh, Just, it's just the first month of the season, but, uh, dagger or no dagger, is it time to panic about the Dodgers' uh, offensive struggles? Yeah, I mean, you're right. It, two things. It definitely is early. And, I mean, you know, defending world champs. So, but, I mean, honestly, I'm just going to go with it. I think, yeah, I think with – I think there this is definitely a, a slump for the – for you know, that this month has been a slump. And just with the news a couple of days ago, I believe it was on Monday, Dustin May 
starting pitcher, young starting pitcher for the Dodgers out for the season with the Tommy John tear, UCL tear. So that was that was definitely scary to see how he didn't really have too many elbow problems. And all of a sudden, boom, his elbow just gave out. Uh, I think it was a Sunday or Monday that it happened. Um, so, that, yeah, that's a tough that's a tough break for the Dodgers. And now this you know, this kind of losing skid that they're going through is a tough one to see. And, you know, it, it's going to be I think um, obviously their, their team is stacked. They, they have such a stacked roster. Their bullpen is still stacked. Starting pitchers are still stacked. But, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely yeah, I think this is a little bit of a scare to say, come on, guys, you know, let's get going. Let's get back to our winning ways. So, yeah, I definitely say that. Um, and it's a you know, they, they've had some awesome, great games with the with the Padres, with your Padres, too. So uh, maybe that maybe that warm out a little bit, too, in this in this first month. So um, for the defending champs. So we'll see. But yeah, like you said very early, you know, if you're going to have a slump, you know, this is the month, you know, get it done here. Get the bad stuff out of the way before, you know, we still got a long season here to, to roll. But yeah, so I, I would say it's a little bit of a concern, though, for sure. Yeah, I mean it is a long season. I mean they still yeah. need Cody uh, Cody Bellinger back. Uh, that anytime that you're losing eight of ten, you're uh, there's going to be concerns everywhere. So uh, Dodgers are on the watch. They are, you know, they could miss the playoffs. What would be the most shocking thing to happen of all of baseball season. Padre fans would rejoice. That was their main goal was to yeah. get be better than the Dodgers, but. Um, yeah, that's a that would be that would be big time if they did miss the playoffs. I, I don't think it's likely. Uh, they've won the NL West, I think, eight straight times, and you know it doesn't seem like they still have the same core around. So it doesn't seem like they're they're going to be stopping anytime soon. Yeah, def- yeah, they've been a powerhouse in LA. They've been a powerhouse in MLB. So yeah, lots of, a lot a lot of baseball to be played, but we'll, we will definitely see. Um, but you kind of going back to kind of the main topic of our podcast this week, the you know post NFL draft wrap up analysis and all that stuff one guy we didn't talk about too much was mac jones um coming out of alabama national championship in the heisman contention you know had heisman winning wide receiver at alabama and Devontae smith um and so do you think dagger no dagger did mac jones did he go into arguably the best position out of all these quarterbacks um as far and by position i mean you know getting paired up with uh, you know, the NFL, one of the NFL greats in Bill Belichick. And, you know, he, he was kind of the system. He really thrived in the system of, un, under Nick Saban, won a national championship. So do you, do you think that Mac Jones with a guy like Bill Belichick and what he's able to do, um, do you think Mac Jones is actually in the best position to succeed, um, you know, out of all these quarterbacks that got taken? I am going to say no dagger. And I'm going to go with Trey Lance for being in the best situation. I mean, you're, Trey Lance joined a 49ers roster that uh, went to the Super Bowl two, uh, two years ago. And I mean, they were six and 10 last season, but it was a depleted Niners team, obviously. But uh, Trey Lance gets to, uh, gets to learn from Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I mean, Mac Jones gets to learn from a former M- M- MVP himself, Cam Newton. I mean, Jimmy G was under also under Belichick and I mean, Let's be honest, like Belichick really, I mean, he can develop QBs. Let's just say that like Mm -hmm. uh, three of his, uh, three of his QBs in that, or no, four actually, uh, four of those QBs in the, under, uh, in his coaching tree have gone on to do great things. I mean, Brian Hoyer was a playoff, uh, I wouldn't say playoff winning quarterback, but he was on the Texans when uh, they went to the playoffs. I think it was like five years ago or something like that. But Jacoby Brissett ended up getting a starting job in Indianapolis temporarily. 
Uh, Jimmy G went on to win a Super Bowl. Tom Brady, we all know what he's done, but I think he can develop well under Mac Jones, but I wouldn't say he's necessarily in the, in the best situation. Mm. Uh, he's kind of up in the air right now in terms of what he can and can't do on a, on a football field. And I mean, he isn't the most mobile quarterback and I would say Trey Lance is, um, I, I would say Trey Lance is obviously better because there, there may be a shot that Mac Jones might not play this year, which is the reality because Cam Newton is going to be getting all the snaps. But Jimmy G might get hurt, and Trey Lance might have to go in, and with a stacked roster around him, and he knows—I mean, he knows how to win. Both those quarterbacks know how to win. So uh, I definitely see—I definitely see Kyle Shanahan developing Trey Lance into a um, really, really talented quarterback. I mean, Trey Lance is a big arm; he's mobile, he can run. Uh, adds a different dynamic to that offense where Mac Jones doesn't really add a. He's a different quarterback, but he's not as dynamic as Cam Newton is, if we're going to be honest. So I'm going to say no dagger. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I just kind of was thinking about it because, you know, Nick Saban, probably arguably the best college coach of all time. And, you know, it's still producing and still bringing in top, you know, five-star recruits all over the place, winning national championships. And now you got Bill Belichick, arguably the best NFL coach right now that, that the league's got. So, you know, it's going to be fun to see what Mac Jones can do. Maybe not a guy that can get out of a crazy situation like, Maybe if he goes to the Jets, could be a disaster. But I kind of like this Mac Jones matchup with or pairing with the New England Patriots. So we'll see. I, but yeah, still lots to go. But yeah, I kind of want to get the Mac Jones talk in there. Yeah. Yeah. Love to see it. But um, yeah. So Corey, dagger or no dagger, NBA edition. Uh, dagger or no dagger, the Lakers end up in the play in. Uh, playing games. So they're sitting at the sixth seed right now. Uh, they're on the brink of the seventh seed. I think Portland and uh, Dallas are um, in between them. So Dallas is above them by a game, and then Portland is below them by a game. Uh, dagger or no dagger, Corey? Do you see the Lakers uh, in that playing uh, play game series? And they have a tough stretch co- uh, coming up f- to close out the regular season. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a tough one, and this one for sure to watch closely for all you NBA fans out there. Um, right now, I got three of them written down. I think there's another one, but Lakers, Lakers and Clippers coming up on Thursday. Uh, Lakers, Portland, Lakers, Suns. So if they, you know, they had a huge Lakers had a huge win against Denver. So that you know, without LeBron too, so that was a great win for them. I think they had won. They lost six out of the last seven. Big win against Denver though. So that that was a nice one to get the momentum going. Um, LeBron had his thoughts about, you know, the play-in tournament as well. And so um, this is, I'm going to say, shoot, I'm going to say, and it looks like LeBron's going to miss these, these games, these upcoming games too, especially against the Clippers. So shoot, I think I might say the, the Lakers might get into that play-in um, tournament, but I, I also don't think it's a huge thing to panic about. I think that the Lakers are, uh, you know, they're resting up there. You know, it's kind of, it's a bad time to be resting, but just because you want to gear up for the playoffs, fine, you know, take off any little bits, bits of rust and get ready for the playoffs to go. But I think the Lakers are built to, you know, to really face anybody in the West and in the East for that matter. Um, you know, when they, if they, you know, end up get, do getting to the, um, to the finals, but yeah, so not to panic, but I do think this is a very possibility that the Lakers could get down there. Um, but then again, you know, mainly just because we don't know if what, what games LeBron will come back for, if any. It's, uh, for sure, I think the last thing I saw was for sure the Clippers will be out tomorrow as we're recording this. Uh, but I don't know about like the, the Portland and the Suns game. The Suns are balling. 
So you lose those two games, Portland bumps up. So I, I, I'm thinking it's, it's a real possibility. Um, yeah. Yeah, that would be, that would be, uh, that would be tough. So um, yeah, LeBron face of the NBA. I mean, uh, yeah. whether you agree or disagree with him politically, he's done a lot of good stuff off the, off the basketball court. And uh, you know, it sucks for him to be the face of the league and not be out there. I mean, let's just be honest. He, he makes the league money and for, I don't think Adam Silver would allow him to be uh, in that situation where he would have to play in a playing game. But I mean, who knows? It's LeBron James and he says he might, he's not the same. So, I mean, who knows? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. This playing tournament, as we get closer to it, uh, it kind of leads me into my next question too, to kind of go deeper into this. But um, I wonder, is this really just a terrible idea? Uh, It's an interesting way how, seven through 10 seed they got to play uh they played two games if if what is it? it's the seven seed the seven yeah seed so it's the seven loses. versus ten eight versus nine and then the winners of those fight for the seven and the eight seed and it's basically eight. so yeah yeah so it's kind of an interesting one where the seven seed can lose once but then they can get in as well um and into that next playoff game play-in game but do you think that lebron had lebron said a couple days ago Basically, whoever made this play-in thing should be fired. So that, that's kind of if you got if we could get made the yeah if he, if they made this playoff uh this playoff uh tiebreaker thing is basically what he's saying, which is Adam Silver. Adam Silver absolutely hates LeBron right now. Let's let's just be real, <laughs> uh, or yeah. other vice versa. LeBron absolutely hates Adam Silver. I mean, Adam Silver is, I mean, they, they're playing seventy-two game seasons. Uh, LeBron, all, all LeBron wants to do is rest. I mean, he's had half the rest time that he normally would get in a regular season, which is totally understandable. But, I mean, yeah, I, I LeBron's pissed. Let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, you definitely go check out what he, his comments on the, the play-in tournament and all that stuff. But I guess my question is, do you just think this is overall a terrible idea that, you know, the, the team, the league reduced it down to 72 games and, and kind of forced this play-in tournament? Or do you think this is a good thing to, you know, a kind of a good solution to a shorter season? I think, I mean, here's the thing about what the NBA did this year and the NHL, I'll, I'll combine them both. Uh, both their seasons are running into May. So uh, if you're, I mean, if you're listening to this on Thursday or whenever you are, it's, it's going to be a couple days after LeBron hit, uh, the floater in the in the second round versus the Toronto Raptors to go up 3-0, uh, that game-winning shot. And that was, at this point, in a normal season, we would be in the NBA uh, conference semifinals, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in a normal season. So what Adam Silver and uh, Gary Bettman should have done for their leagues is they should have shortened it down to uh, the amount of games w- that it would make to end end the season in April. Let's just be honest. Everyone wants to see, um, everyone wants to see a, uh, a like April, May, June playoffs. I mean, that's just how it's normally been done. I mean, um, I'm used to watching the Stanley Cup final on Memorial Day, game one usually, yeah. and um, I'm usually. I mean, it's 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 so different. I I hate the May start date and going into July and like I mean. I'd rather, I would honestly rather uh, just get it back to normal. And that, that that's one way we could have done it. So this, the whole off season is going to be a month later. I mean, the season's not, not going to start until December again. 
Uh, it's going to be a really wacky uh, transition to get this whole C- NBA schedule back to normal. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say no dagger to any format that Adam Silver is, is proposing for right now, because this is delaying a lot of stuff. And this season honestly should have ended a month ago. It should have been a, it should have been a 60 game season or 55 mm-hmm. games or whatever, however many games you could fit into that uh, little time capsule. And we should have gotten the season started a lot sooner. Um, we should have gotten the season a lot started a lot sooner, if I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest. But yeah, I guess there are, there's a lot of moving pieces there. But and I guess you could argue too, like short, you know, shorter time to make a playoff run. But I do feel like th- this is kind of extended. You know, let's just I th- I'm totally ready for the NBA playoffs. To be honest, I feel like I've kind of been watching a little bit less basketball just because I'm like. Okay, we, we, we saw the whole last year of the bubble. We saw that whole last season. We saw the NBA get stopped. Now we're here. You know, we're moving into, we're rolling into May, and we're still in regular season basketball. And now we still got to see this playoff play-in tournament with the 10 seed. So I'm like the 10 seed in the East. I don't, you know, they don't, I feel like they don't even deserve, you know, yeah. as I just say, it's like, let's just get into playoff basketball. And I think maybe LeBron might be feeling that. Like, but this might benefit him as well because he's still – you know, bothered with that ankle injury. So, I mean, there's so many moving parts to this, but I think that um, it is kind of crazy, you know, uncharacteristic to see LeBron say, whoever made this, you know, st- whoever made this should be fired. Um, and so, yeah, but uh, we'll have to see. I mean, I, I, this could be a fail. I don't know, but we'll see, you know, with, with, with um, the league making the 10th seed, you know, potentially be able to sneak into that eighth seed, the final seed. So we'll see though. It'll be kind of March Madness-y feel to the NBA. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Corey dagger or no dagger. I'm going to ask my third question with my third sport, but uh, let's just say Trevor Lawrence has a better career than any other player in this NFL draft. We're going to say, I'm going to ask you dagger or no dagger. Dang that. So any other player that's tough. Um, That so all 256 picks. I think it is. Dang. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, like I would going in, Trevor Lawrence, he he just seems to be the clear-cut guy, the QB one. Um, just with his arm strength, athleticism, I mean, his leadership, I mean, his his career at Clemson, just what he was able to do, just coming in from his very first year all the way to his third year. Um it's tough to say. I mean, I'm really kind of torn between him and Justin Fields. I think that I really think that Justin Fields can make a huge a really, really huge um, impact in this league and and just with this play. So uh, this this is a tough one to say because I mean with the Jaguars, it's you know historically not the men the all time best you know franchise or you know if to say if to say that, but I mean that's, that's a tough one to say. I'm gonna say shoot. I think I'll just say no dagger on that one. As much as I hate to say it, but I do think there's so much talent in this in this in this um. But out of these quarterbacks, I'm I don't know what it is, but for some reason I'm really liking what I'm really liking what Justin Fields did in college, and um, I think that Justin Fields can go off and, and have the best career in this uh, in this draft. But I also think Devontae Smith can can ball out too. Kyle Pitts can be one of the most amazing tight ends that we've seen too. I mean, we saw him in college. You know, we'll see is how he gets there too. But Trevor Lawrence, yeah, I think as much you know, still being the number one overall number one overall pick I think he has a lot to prove just because he's been a five-star guy you know it seems like the last 10 years 
So it's like, I mean, all the way from way back when he was in high school, he was always a star coming up through the rankings. And now he's finally here in the pros. So we, we, we shall see. But um, yeah, that's a tough one, though. That's a tough question, though. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, Corey, I, I mean, yeah, that's I mean, he's supposed to be the best prospect. I mean, he was the best yeah. prospect in high school, going to college. It was always Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, like one and two. Like, I mean, I, I'm really hoping we see uh, – I really hope that he succeeds and Urban Meyer lasts with the Jaguars because that, that's his guy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Urban, Urban Meyer too. That's going to be a fun one to see him and Travis Etienne from Clemson. So it's going to be a fun little thing. And, and the Jaguars aren't as bad. I mean, Gardner Minshew went on a little run with them. Um, but, I mean, yeah, the Jags, I think, honestly, if the biggest downfall of, of Trevor Lawrence would – be the, the Jaguars organization It's going to be if they can get him to a good spot, you know, get the players around him, get the defense, get the offense up to his level of play. And so I think honestly, it's really going to be putting the Jaguars organization in his, in his career. So that's kind of where I'm a little, a little hesitant to, uh, you know, to yeah. Say that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so for my last question, go back to a little NBA. Um, I think it was, it was announced today on Wednesday here that um, Kyrie Irving, fine $35,000 for violating media access rules. Um, I think believe this is the second time this happened already. There's been some drama already around the nets a lot um, with Katie's injuries, Harden's trade, um, and now Kyrie refusing to talk to the media once again. Um, do you think that the nets are really their own worst enemy? Um, and the nets are kind of a problem for themselves. Um, with the drama that they might as far as the injuries and as far as the um kind of the 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 media drama that they're kind of bringing in that they could be the ones that take them their own self out of these playoffs um i'm gonna say no dagger i'm i mean that's pretty i'm pretty commonly everyone would say dagger and i i'm not gonna go that route i'm gonna say that uh I mean, it's New York, it's New York city. There's going to be media regardless of how, how great or how awful you're doing during your season. So I'll give yeah. uh, James Dolan an example. I mean, James Dolan creates drama for, for himself, right? Uh, if the Knicks are doing well and the Rangers are not doing as great, there's going to be drama around the Rangers. Like we saw uh, this week with their president and GM getting fired basically after uh after some comments after the cap uh capitals rangers game and i mean if james dolan is succeeding with one team he's going to screw it up with another team that's just the way it goes in at mass and square garden but the knicks are they're the knicks are a fun story the nets are always in the spotlight so the knicks or the nets have higher expectations but the knicks they could be in the second round. So that's that all together is gonna be a media bluster. And you know what type Definitely. of you know what type of questions Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are gonna get if the Knicks beat them? They're gonna mm -hmm. be like, Hey, why didn't you join the Knicks? Or why didn't you uh I mean they're gonna ask about like the New York versus New York rivalry and they're they're gonna downplay it, but it's gonna be big. And if there's a full like if there was full arenas, I mean that would be it would be the biggest biggest playoff series in new york basketball history if we're going to be quite honest so uh yeah it would be it would be a blast if we saw if we saw kevin durant and kyrie irving uh play the new york knicks and play i mean tom thibodeau is going to get coach of the year and that's not talked about yeah. enough and you know they're gonna they're 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 gonna end up getting their praise at the end of the day regardless of if they win 
that playoff series versus the Nets or not. But the Nets have been doing this all season where they've rotated guys in and out of the lineups mm-hmm. and they've been playing. I mean, Steve Nash has done a tremendous, a tremendous job with this team when it comes to, uh, you know, really preparing for preparing for the playoffs. So, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, who knows, who knows what, uh, I mean, who knows what the postseason comes and brings to the table and it's going to be fun. I'm really excited to see what the Nets can do. And, you know, if Kevin Durant's healthy and James Harden too, because James Harden has been out as well. So, um, True, yeah, yeah. It, it's a media circus in New York. I'm going to say no dagger. On okay. That one. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we are off and running with our dagger fives and uh, I'm going to give you mine right now. So um, Thursday NBA action, Lakers Clippers, uh, Lakers are, are depleted. I've I'm I've lost a lot of belief in them since last postseason. I'm gonna go with Clippers uh, for the Thursday night matchup. All right, uh, Nets and Mavericks as well. Uh, both of those are prime time. I'm gonna go with the Nets. I think they come back after a skid versus the Bucks, and take care of business, and really put the Lakers in a tough position because they play the following night at Portland. So. They have to basically win this game to avoid the playing game. So uh, that should be a fun matchup. I'm going to go with the Lakers in that one, uh, winning the second game of a back-to-back. Pelicans 76ers Friday night as well. The Pelicans need to stay alive. Lonzo Ball has been balling out of his mind. And the 76ers are are the best team at home and one of the best teams in the East as well. I'm going to go with uh, the Pelicans, though and give a little bit of an upset Mm. bid. And then that Friday night as well is the Knicks and Suns. So the two Mm. most surprising teams of the season in both conferences. So, uh, I mean, you could make a case that coach of the year could go to either Monty Williams or uh, Tom Thibodeau. I mean, as much as we we give him garbage for running his guys into the ground, he's done a great job. And he's kept all of his players loyal too. Like, He's still coaching Derrick Rose. He's still coaching Taj Gibson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone loves Tibbs, it seems like. And he got a five-year deal. And, I, I mean, we all questioned it at first, and I definitely did. But it ended up being the right decision because they have Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, Alfred Payton's yeah. balling out. I mean, they have guys who could play on that team. They're a fun team. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to say – I'm just going to keep the Phoenix Sun train rolling. I can't bet against you know, – any Arizona team uh, right now. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. I didn't that. I think they win, but uh, being on the road and playing, you know, being on a road trip across the country, it's hard. So mm-hmm. uh, I got to give the, I got to give the Suns credit where credit is due. They've been great at home this season. So yeah, there's Definitely. my dagger five. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good daggers, a lot of good dagger fives there. NBA action. Um, it's about I think about ten days left in the NBA season. Yeah, ten calendar days. Um, and so yeah, so I'll go. I'll I'll go into the Lakers matchups too. Lakers Clippers. Um, Lakers like you were saying, definitely banged up. AD still kind of. I think he had his best game against Denver from coming back from the injury. Still getting there. Uh, Drummond still kind of finding figuring out um his, his total role as the three centers kind of battle it out in LA with Marcus All Harrell and um. Andre Drummond, they're kind of, it seems like Frank Vogel is kind of mixing them in different ways, giving guys different, um, you know, they'll play Harrell mostly, you know, they'll start Harrell one game, then they'll start Gasol and then they'll start in Drummond. 
Uh, and so, um, but I think that the Clippers are still, they really need to get Ibaka back. Pat Bev kind of keeps coming in and out. Um, Kawhi just finally came back after about a week being the foot with his foot out. So these teams are kind of both banged up. Um, and honestly, I think it's really anyone's game to win. And they kind of both still need to prove. They still both need to figure things out as well. So, but I think I'll, I'll, I'll take the Clippers as well. Um, and then um, Denver and Utah kind of see going, going to see Jokic just can keep continuing that MVP case. Um, and so I think Denver can pull it off against Utah on Friday night. And then um, going back to the Lakers in Portland, that's going to, be, going to be a big one for the Lakers to win. I think they can pull it off. I, I really hope that LeBron can come back too for that game to see how ready playoff ready he might be or may not be. So we'll, well, I think Lakers can win that one on Friday and then Lakers Suns on Sunday. And, um, and so that, I think um, that'd be a great little stretch for the Lakers to win both those games. It's going to be tough, be a tough stretch for, for sure. Um, but I'll say, I'll say the Lakers can do it. I think they can pull it off. Um, I was going to have the Wizards and Bucks, but that game got already played today. Um, Bucks only, Bucks only won by one point. So the Wizards are kind of, they're, they're surprisingly not that bad. Uh, Russell Westbrook's been a th- triple, uh, triple double tear again. Um, you know, going on a triple double tear again in his career. So to sub that one in, we got Atlanta and the Pacers because the Pacers are right there um, at the ninth seed. And so they already got a playoff spot secured, but just to kind of see how they're going to be um, before they get into the playoff, their play in tournament. So that'd be a nice one against the five seed in Atlanta. So a little Eastern conference uh, uh, matchup there to, to cap off that. And I think that, I think that the Hawks can can get that can win that one and kind of cement that you know they're at the five seed just behind the Knicks there and so yeah I think that the, the Hawks will get that one get a win there so that's yeah. my dagger five there we go dagger five uh, yeah. you know that brings us into our next topic our dagger of the week I'm gonna go with a little baseball action uh, Anthony Rizzo's uh, single to win uh, to clinch the sweep the series sweep against the Dodgers is gonna be. Uh, my dagger of the week and the Dodgers have lost 13 of 17. So they are skidding and they are skidding fast. So if you didn't, in case you're new here, in case you missed it, I talked about uh, the Dodgers losing eight of 10. They've lost them more than eight of 10. They've lost 13 of 17. So uh, this is a you know, big concern for the Dodgers. And, you know, anytime you have to say a dagger of the week versus the Dodgers, you, I mean, you're going to have to do it. Right. I mean, it's just the way it is. And then also two years ago to the day, Hunter Renfro's home run uh, grand slam game, his walk-off grand slam versus uh, the Dodgers okay. when he was a member of the Padres. So uh, that was the last the gra- walk-off grand slam at Pico park. And that was um, the, with fans, by the way, that, I mean, Machado mm-hmm. had one last year, uh, Manny Machado of the Padres, but yeah, that was the last time, I mean, we really got a sense of Slam Diego with fans. So, I mean, uh, that was before the origin of Slam Diego, but, I mean, a grand slam, mm-hmm. a game-winning grand slam is always nice. And anytime you beat the Dodgers, it's it feels good. So that's my dagger of the week. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm going to go a little baseball, too. I was going to go a little Clippers that close out, close out win against the Raptors last night. But there was a nice there was a nice no-hitter tonight. Uh, John Means from the Baltimore Orioles means through, means through a no hitter against <laughs> and through a no no against the Seattle Mariners tonight. Um, he missed a perfect game with just one wild pitch uh, on a strikeout, 
Uh, so almost a perfect game there. It was the first one, first no-hitter for the Orioles since 1969. Jim Palmer. Jesus. So, I mean, that, I mean yeah. my, dad was, my dad was one year old, right, one wow. years old right there. Um, wow. so, I mean, <laughs> yeah, so it's like. You guys do the math. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, the Orioles, yeah, I mean, shout out to the Orioles. Not having too bad, not having too bad of a year this year. Um, and Surprisingly. So, um, yeah. So I'm going to go with that one. John yeah. Means there. Um, and yeah, I'm getting an interview coming in. There we go. Sorry. It was, it was coming into my audio there. Yeah. Um, you're good. And so there we go. So John means no hitter today for the Baltimore Orioles. So that's my, that'll be my dagger of the week. All right. John means of the Baltimore Orioles and Anthony Rizzo of the Chicago Cubs uh, originally drafted, uh, originally a San Diego Padre. That's why I brought up all those Padre stats, but you know, you know how I get with the Padres. I get, I oh, get yeah. antsy. I, I, I go on a tangent, but uh, yeah, the NLS should be fun. The rest of the Major League Baseball season should be fun. Uh, not really any teams popping out early either. So, uh, you know, everyone's kind of even skewed. The NL East is kind of reminding me of the NFC East. Everyone's kind of mm-hmm. hovering above five, uh, hovering at five hundred. So, uh, that should be that should be a fun time to. Uh, follow that race throughout the season where all five teams are going to be in it anyways. So yeah, we'll see, but make sure you guys subscribe to our podcast, whether you're on Apple music or not Apple music, whether you're on uh, Apple or Spotify and follow us on all our social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you guys know the deal. You guys know the deal. I'm Justin Pierce. Here's Corey Kennedy. And, uh, Yeah, thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you next week.